Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. I'm Tom Perumian, KTSA News. Hi there, Jack Riccardi. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to our dreadful little show for Friday. And you can jump in here and join the show at 210-599-5555. Uh, because it's Friday, uh, we have the dish coming up in our six o'clock hour. That's where we'll be talking about restaurants. More on that uh, later on. We're also going to take another little sentimental journey back in time, musically speaking. Uh, coming up next hour with one of our top tens. Um, and again, all kinds of stuff I want to get into with you. Um, I think I was seventeen, maybe eighteen. Uh, the first time I met John Kerry, and I was just like a baby reporter at a, at a little radio station, and I remember being in a gaggle of people around this up-and-coming young politician. He was um, he probably was in his like late 30s at this point, maybe mid to late 30s or something, and um, he was a, a rising star in Massachusetts politics, and... The way it's hard to believe this now, but the way John Kerry was packaged and presented politically in the beginning was that he was going to be the new Jack Kennedy. He was he even has the same initials, John Forbes Kerry. But you know, he, he's from Massachusetts, he's from a prominent family, he served his country in war with distinction, he um, is smart and good-looking and has great hair, and who knows? The sky's the limit for this guy. That was the, that was the launch. And he served, um, he held a number of offices. He was the lieutenant governor of Massachusetts, and um, he had a, he, in, in Massachusetts, the Senate seats only open up like once in a, generation it's 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 like dynasties so he had to wait for an opening and he got an opening and he ran for a senate seat i think he was running for the senate when i was in that group of reporters there's a picture of me i look like i look like a an ugly napoleon dynamite and he's got all this hair and he's this got these you know rich man good looks the reason i tell you this story is because when you look at john Kerry today he looks like he should have a monocle and a walking stick and a cloak. And he is like the embodiment of the privileged rich guy that doesn't know that's what he is. He's like Mr. Peanut without the self-awareness. And so he was in front of Congress um, answering questions about the private jet thing that we talked about yesterday. We, we've talked about this a number of times. Why is it that the climate czar has to fly all around the world to announce that we shouldn't be having carbon footprints and using fossil fuels and we need to cut back and people need to eat crickets and turn their thermostats up and all this other stuff? And um, he was questioned by Congressman Mike Waltz about the private plane issue. And 
this is painful to listen to, but you you got to hear the back and forth on this to, to to see what I'm talking about. Cut number two. Your family owned a plane. You flew on a plane. The, my wife, Secretary, Mr. Oh, Secretary, my wife here's the here's the issue. Yeah, this isn't some kind of partisan gotcha. When we are asking Americans to make serious sacrifices as we transition for the common good, and your family and or yourself are flying around on private jets, that smacks of hypocrisy. It actually hurts your cause, Mr. Secretary. But I'll, I'll move on. But, I just want to know sir, from a record sir, standpoint. Afford me the, the right at least to set the record straight here. I do not fly on a private jet. Uh, I do I do not fly I fly commercially have you all of a my private jet since you've taken this position just just let me let me finish I have flown five times in the last two and a half years on mill air which you also fly on sure. and or some of you who travel fly on five times otherwise all of my trips are commercial have airlines. you flown on a private jet in a personal or official capacity since you've taken this position possibly once I would ask a different question uh, if I was the congressman. Um, I would ask um, if the world only has eight years or 12 years or whatever it is this week, why do you have to fly at all? Why do you have to go anywhere? Why can't these meetings be electronic? This would be like putting Joey Chestnut in charge of the Stop Hunger campaign. The conspicuous consumption of the people telling us to stop consuming is maddening. I, I, I'm just, I know I'm not the only one. I'm just sick. And t- I don't want to hear from them anymore. I don't, I don't believe the science or the modeling of it at all. I mean, I believe that the climate is always changing. And I believe that uh, you, there's ample evidence. I don't even say, I, w- I won't even say I believe. I know there's ample evidence that the climate has always been changing, that throughout history, and as far back as we can look with polar ice cores and everything else, uh, there's fluctuations and cycles and heat cycles and cooling cycles. Uh, that are even more dramatic than the weather shifts we've seen today. I, I can even believe that there could be a human component to changing it, but I think a very minute one. And I think if you want to talk about the human component, you have to be honest about which countries are contributing to it, and we are not the biggest or even one of the biggest contributors. Moreover, you have to be honest about the fact that the, the biggest contributors aren't going to do anything we're being asked to do. They're not going to shutter coal plants. They're building more of them in countries like China and the Philippines. They're not going to stop dumping uh, garbage into the ocean. They're not going to. St- they're not going to stop any of this because they're emerging economies. They're they're on the move, and people will starve to death if they don't generate energy and produce stuff. So they're they're not in the position of of even listening to John Kerry. So. Having said all of that, if you want to convince me, I think you're gonna, I, I'm going to think you're wrong, but if you want to convince me that you're sincere, get off the frickin' airplane. I don't care if it's a private plane, uh, if you're flying in first class on American Airlines or Air France or what you are, get off the plane. Otherwise, you're Joey Chestnut uh, trying to get us concerned about world hunger. And, it's, and it's, it's silly. And there's a theme if you think about the news these days. 
Um, here's another headline. Biden administration forgives $39 billion in student loan debt for 800,000 borrowers. That's not an old story. This is a, this is a Dateline Today story. Today, the administration announced the forgiveness of $39 billion in student debt for 804,000 borrowers. It is a new regulatory rulemaking move out of the Department of Education, and it's in response to the recent Supreme Court decision that said the Biden administration cannot forgive student loan uh, student loans under the CARES Act. So remember, after that, that Supreme Court decision, uh, the White House said, well, we're just going to find another way to do it. This is their new other way to do it. And then there's a story, uh, we have the story this week about the cocaine at the White House. And as we told you yesterday, uh, there will, there's no case. The investigation is closed. And people are starting to say, aren't there actually people in prison for possession of cocaine? Aren't there people that are doing time or have a record or are on probation or ha- have lost their job or their security clearance with the government or the military? In other words... All of these stories, the White House cocaine, the student loan debt forgiveness, John Kerry, this is all privilege in action. It's not white privilege. It's just privilege privilege, the old-fashioned kind. Those that have do. Those that don't, don't. And I, I feel like you're going to reach a tipping point with this and I'm not talking so much about the the next election or any election, but there's a tipping point when, in any society, when people have had enough of getting the short end here. And the best outcome is that they react with an election. That would be the nicest thing that could happen. But if you look at history, it's usually a lot worse, a lot uglier, a lot messier than that. But our our news these days is rife with privilege. And John Kerry just does not get it. I mean, there's you could ask him a hundred questions. He he doesn't understand, he'll never understand that we don't need him. And he doesn't need to be on these flights and these global climate summits are not needed, are not helping, they're not saving one life. If it saves just one life, they're not saving one life. 210-599-5555. I was reading a couple of stories. This has been going on for a while. It's not new, but I was reading a couple of stories about uh, the the grief that Maybelline is getting. The social media users unleashing their fury as Maybelline posts a video of a man wearing the company's lipstick. Uh, the, um, the guy is bald, bearded, and with a mustache, and in my opinion, not, not very good looking, um, and he's slathering on the, uh, company's lipstick, and there's a lot of social media criticism, what am I watching, What's the matter with you? Why are you using men to advertise this? I, I, uh, one woman said, I, I can't picture myself wearing your lipstick when I see a man with a beard and a mustache putting it on. Uh, this guy's name is Ryan Vita. He's a biological male who wears women's clothing. 
And uh, this is sort of their Dylan Mulvaney uh, moment, I guess. Um, now, you might say, well, Jack, why even bring this up? I mean, there's so many stories like this. We've heard this before. We we know you don't like it. Uh, yeah, we, we're not crazy about it either. What, what's the point of bringing it up? Well, again, um, the thing about stories like this is that it, it, b- the Bud Light thing is not going to be what changes the the narrative. This is by itself is not going to be what changes the narrative. It, these are all like bricks in the wall. And again, it goes back to that that cumulative effect we were talking about with privilege. Um, what I think is going to be interesting is you'll there'll be more and more of these there's i'm sure there's advertising campaigns in the pipeline that we don't even know about yet that are about to hit the airwaves or the magazines or whatever in the coming days and weeks and months so there'll be more guys in lipstick and bikinis and bras and panties and tampons and you know what have you the interesting part is going to be watching these companies when they realize that they're tanking back out of this and I thought today when I was reading about the Maybelline thing, if if just a few more companies, just a few more, have the experience of Bud Light, this will go away so fast you will literally forget it ever happened. Uh, it, it's it, it's not it's not rocket science, this is not an out-on-a-limb prediction on my part. It's going to be very, very fast. It'll happen very fast. Uh, you saw how fast Anheuser-Busch pretend. They don't even know who Dylan Mulvaney is. They've never heard of Dylan Mulvaney. I'm sure that they, I'm sure files have been erased and emails have been erased. People have been, have been hypnotized and stuff. I mean, they just, they don't, who? We don't even know what you're talking about. We just make beer that's for good old boys. And look at our commercials. People are just having fun, squirting each other with the hose, jumping in the pool, drinking Bud Light. That's who we are. What are you talking about? We're just a fratty beer brand. Remember that word? Yeah, that's all we are. Mark my words, in a year or two, Maybelline will be just gussying it up with the gals. But it'll take several of these companies to go through a baptism of fire. So don't think that Bud Light was an... I hear people say, uh, you know, that Bud Light was a game changer and, and people even now say such and such a company is having a Bud Light moment. It, it's going to take more than Bud Light. It just is. 210-599-5555. All right, and then one more thing. This is the, the basis for today's um, JR poll question powered by River City Oral Surgery. Um, and there's many of these around the country. This is from uh, Scottsdale... Arizona, uh, starting August 15th, um, there's an ordinance banning grass lawns in Scottsdale. Not if you have one, but as in, new, in new developments. So when you do a new development, you can't put in grass. Do you think we should just ban grass lawns in this part of the country? I don't mean that if you already have one, you'd have to tear it out. But why are we putting down any more grass at this point? I'm curious. I'm, I'm not... I'm I'm really I'm really I'm really just interested in what people will say and if people will be in agreement or disagreement and why. Um, I, I have a grass lawn. I've replaced some of it with with xeriscaping. I'd like to do more of it, but my HOA won't let me do the whole thing. You may be in that situation, or maybe you have done that. Um, 
Does it make sense to keep putting down grass when we are struggling with droughts and uh, the growth of this area is, you know, putting a, a real burden on the water supply and stuff like that? What do you think? There's a number of communities that have rules about putting in new sod or lawns or whatever. Sometimes it's commercial, sometimes it's residential, sometimes it's both. Scottsdale, Arizona is doing it uh, starting next month. Um, I, I, I'm not... I'm not real hard line about this, but when I see like a new neighborhood being built or a new development and they're rolling out the, you know, they're, they're rolling out the sod, they're bringing in the, the flatbed that's heaped high with the, with the, I'm like, what, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> I mean, if you want it, fine, but wh- why, why in the world are we growing this crop for nothing? And, it takes a lot of water, and I'm sure you've had the experience of driving through a neighborhood or driving past a commercial development, and the sprinklers are running so much that there's puddles and it's in the street, or they're running during a rainstorm. Um, you know, it's it seems crazy, and I'm not a, re- a big regulatory guy, but what do you think about these bans on uh, on grass? Darla is at 210-599-5555 on KTSA. Darla, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So what do you think about grass, Darla? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, my mom, uh, we live in Texas, and uh, my mom is li- was born in 1940, and she swears that it is much hotter now because there's more cement and, and asphalt and, you know, buildings and parking lots. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, my personal opinion uh, is that I think we need our green spaces to keep things a little cooler. I think if we just start putting in all those zeroscaping, it's just going to increase the temperature, and mm-hmm. then we're in a vicious cycle, you know. Mm-hmm. And it really, when you water something, it goes down into the ground. Maybe mm-hmm. it evaporates, but then what mm-hmm. does it do? It goes up right. into the sky, and then right. it recycles as rain. So, right. you know, it's it's... That's my opinion. Okay. So, there it is. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I, I, and I, I mean, I think we would always have grass. I think we'll always have grass. I, I think I don't, I'm not talking about not having parks. I, I'm certainly not in favor. I wouldn't be in favor at all of any, you know, forcing people to rip up a lawn that they wanted and maintained. I, I do think we ought to let people, you know, if they want to zeroscape their front yard, I, th- I think we ought to let them do it. And, and it seems like in a new development, people ought at least be given a choice, you know, so that I think there would still, and if if you gave people a choice, I think there'd still be grass, Darla. I don't think it would be all gone. Yeah, I just, I mean, I do agree in a choice. I just, the way the question was phrased, it was right. either or. So, right. you know, I mean, if it was the either or, I would definitely want to have green spaces mm. and at least grass in my yard because, I know that when I go out into my yard with my trees out there, if there's grass, it's going to be much cooler around my house, which yeah. is going to keep my air conditioning costs down, um, okay. I'm hoping, as opposed to, say, now, if we're talking about a rocky landscape versus maybe a mulched landscape, I think that's going to be different. So, okay. I don't know. I've, I'm just kind of throwing out some thoughts there. Yeah, those are good those are those are good those are all good thoughts darla it's good to hear from you thanks keep cool and uh darla's gonna gonna make the case for grass 
Uh, do you agree or disagree with uh, banning grass lawns from new developments because of all the watering and uh, the concerns that uh, in in many southwestern communities, including San Antonio, uh, the growth could outpace, could out, uh, you know, we could outgrow the available water. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, just uh, unanimously passed a city council uh, ordinance to do this next month. And again, it's not for people that have lawns. It's for uh, like new developments, you know, startups. Um, and I, I, you know, like when I bought my house, I wanted the backyard to be all grass in case my daughter used it, which she really seldom did. I I don't think kids play outside as much as they used to. I mean, we all think when we buy a house for a family or for kids, well, we want a nice backyard, but how, how often are they really out there? You know, really? Right. Um, but the front yard I, it's been like a battle. You know, there's parts of it that won't grow, and they don't get enough sun, and there's slope. And, and I zero-escaped some of it, and I couldn't do more because they wouldn't uh, allow more. Uh, and um, Or else I would have. Uh, I think it looks good. I think it's the best-looking part of the property, frankly. Um, but w- what do you think about grass bands, 210-599-5555? Uh, Juan is on the radio. Juan, good afternoon. Hi. So what do you think, Juan? So, like I was telling you, I, I agree with what the lady says. It's a, uh, the water going back down and evaporates, and it's just a, a cycle, right? Uh-huh. But if you want to keep a nice uh, green uh, lawn, I think Bermuda would be the greatest because it doesn't really take that much water. Mm. Um. I don't know a lot about why they don't. It seems like they don't use Bermuda very much, and I'm not sure why that is. But um, would you would you say that instead of banning lawns, they should just require Bermuda grass? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's easier. It doesn't take much water to maintain it. Yeah. Is it more expensive? No. It's just. It's just. uh, I think Bermuda grass just grows naturally, man, and not not like. uh, No, uh, what's the other one that uh, Texas A&M uh, created, that orange-purple uh, vine or something like that, that is supposed to be, like, um, the regular carpet grass, it takes a lot of water yeah. to maintain, right? Yeah, So yeah. Texas A&M yeah. came out with that purple one that supposedly yeah. takes a little bit less water than just regular So you would grass. say, keep the grass, let's just be smarter about the grass. Yes. Okay, all right. Juan, thank you. Good to have you. Uh, Esteban is on the Jack Riccardi Show at KTSA. Esteban, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I think there's degrees of moderation. A Dallas Theological Seminary grad, probably not the most liberal person, said that a lot of these neighborhood associations need to allow these lawns to grow taller because we know that grass at two or three inches uses a whole lot less water than grass Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. scout. One stupid trend I've seen in my neighborhood is People doing the weed block fa- fabric and putting Xeriscape, which really doesn't work too well. And I've, you know, I've walking the dog. I've marveled the people who do usually ha- usually were the ones with the Biden signs. And I'm sure Bob Rumsfeld <laughs> saw the trip. Saw the trend would be. Ah, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that. Uh, the guy with the most Trump signs in my neighborhood has a half Xeriscape front yard. So I think your I think your your scientific model. Doesn't quite hold up on that, but but um, 
Yeah, we probably could just do it smarter. Um, don't you think, though, that they throw down a lot of grass in a lot of places just like to fill the space? There's not really any, there's not really any thought to it. You know, you see like a gas station on the corner and it's got this huge grass lawn around it. What the hell is that for? Who's going to play on that or, or walk on that or enjoy that, right? Right, and the demolishment of heritage oaks, uh, that was another thing that my friend did a rant about, is you can put trees in, but if you're taking out old, older trees, that would provide green shade and would reduce yeah. the usage. Yeah. You're not doing anybody a good favor. Right, right. Yeah, there you go. Esteban, thanks. Appreciate it. Um, so this big story today, if you haven't heard, I'm sure you've probably heard something about it. They, they picked up a guy that they've been watching for a while, and um, they've charged him with being a notorious uh, serial killer in Long Island, New York. Uh, th- these are called the Gilgo Beach Murders. And they started, I think, in 2010. They found the body of a woman in 2010 wrapped up in a burlap sack. And then they found a bunch more. And so they think there are... Um, this guy's name is Rex Herman... He's 59. He's an architect. He's married. He's got adult children. He runs an architectural firm uh, that is um, in Manhattan that has major clients like uh, American Airlines and Catholic Charities among its clients. Uh, Everybody, you know, the usual things. Neighbors say, nice guy, quiet, seemed like a good person, never saw any issues at the house. But they found a body of a, of a young woman uh, in 2010, and then they found three more women, and these became known as the Gilgo Four, and they were all wrapped in burlap, and they were all very close together. And now there are as many as 10 or 12 murder cases that may be linked, although he was not charged with all of those uh, today. You know, when I was watching the coverage of this, and everybody's on it, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, they all went to this and they covered the news conference. And there was this lengthy news conference with Suffolk County, New York today, where they were rolling out the the findings. And this has been going on. We've been investigating this for years and we've had them under surveillance and number of law enforcement agencies uh, combined their uh, resources. You know, I was thinking um, this is what cable news used to be all about. Like 30 years ago, it, there was a time when, and, I, and I'm not making light of the, this is a terrible story and I'm not, I'm not belittling it. We'll come back to it in a minute. But as I was watching the coverage, I thought, you know, nowadays we associate cable news with like political affiliation. Like if, if somebody tells you which channel they watch, they've just told you all kinds of other things about themselves, right? I mean, It's like shorthand for what you believe in and how you vote, what your values are. But at one time, when there was just CNN, this was what cable news was mainly made up of. And the reason it was, was because stories like this are not only news, but these are stories that are of interest to everyone. I, I shouldn't say to everyone. I should say, to a wide variety of people. You're not more or less interested in catching a serial killer if you're Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal or you're 
pro-abortion or pro-life. It's not, it's not, those aren't, those aren't relevant. These are the kinds of stories that people gather around. You know, the, before there was television, when people gathered around a big wooden console radio to get the news, these are the kinds of stories that galvanized people. And they also work as a discussion piece. So news used to be the, the jumping off point for people to have a cup of coffee together or talk at the dinner table, or you would see friends at church and before the service started, you'd be whispering, hey, what did you think? I mean, these are the kinds of things everybody could talk about with everybody. And I say that, I know I'm generalizing, you may not like stories like this or you may be repulsed, but you know what I mean. Most people can sink their teeth into a crime story, a murder story, a serial killer, uh, things of this nature. And this was the main course of cable news. And when I was watching it today, I thought how different the news business is. Because the thing about the Gilgo Beach serial killer is everybody, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, they're all reporting it the same. It's just the facts that the authorities have put out. There is no Democratic version of this story. There is no RNC version of this story. It's not like um, if if Tucker Carlson tells you about this, it'll be different than if Wolf Blitzer tells you about it. I mean, maybe eventually there'll be some political angle that I don't know about right now, but but these kinds of stories are just facts. They're just news. And that's what news channels used to be about. It used to be about news. And frankly, there wasn't even a way to be, a, a, like, the only people that didn't watch CNN and remember Headline News, remember that network? The only people that didn't watch them were people that just weren't interested in the news. I don't care. I don't need to know. I just care about my own life. I just want to know what's going on with my world. I don't care about that stuff. But, but I mean, it didn't divide us. Like it clearly, intentionally, systematically does now. I mean, there are a lot of things you can say about this story. Uh, obviously, it's chilling that this guy, if he is the killer, was right out in the open and met every, you know, sort of uh, criterion of respectability, right? That's the word you're going to hear a lot, respectable, respected. No one would have guessed. Why did he do it? What started him, if he is, again, if it is him? And then you've got the the, the heartache of, and, and some of these women were sex workers, but, but still, whatever choices they made and risks they took, they have families, they have loved ones, they have people that have been grieving them, they have people that have been wanting justice. There are people that perhaps have passed away in their family, never seeing closure, never seeing justice happen. So there's that element to it. It's very powerful. You, you have to think about all those people. You have to appreciate the law enforcement work that was done. We've dumped a lot on the FBI this week because of their management. Same thing with the U.S. Secret Service, this, this cocaine story. But we know, even if we don't always say it or repeat it, that there are people in the trenches that are doing good work and work very hard and are very dedicated to what they do. And a case like this took a lot of grunt work and um, legwork and man hours and, and what have you. So there's that element, I, you know, I, I certainly think to it. But, um, 
yeah, I, 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 was, I was struck by, and it didn't hit me right away, but as I was flipping around seeing who was carrying the news conference and the coverage, um, and it's taken up a substantial part of the day today, I, I just thought, you know, this is what, this is actually, this is the kind of thing that, that 24-hour TV news channels were invented for and, uh, and what they used to do, and very successfully, very, very successfully. And then we had the O.J. Simpson, you know, the, the white Bronco chase and the trial. And that one was different because then we started to see the, the what would you call them, maybe the fault lines, right, of race and stuff. And the political spin began and, and we began to see people inject or differentiate the coverage with, with politics and then a couple of years after OJ, you had MSNBC hit the airwaves, Fox News Channel, which had been something else before, was rebranded as Fox News Channel. That comes out. So by the end of the 90s, now there are several channels. Into the 2000s, we have digital channels and Newsmax and NewsNow and all these others. And now, now, news television really isn't news television. Now it's really spin television. Chris writes uh, from Elmendorf to jackktsa.com. San Antonio actually has banned some types of grass. Home builders can't install St. Augustine in new construction in the city limits. I think that's the right approach, Chris writes. The issue is that most new construction is in the county, not in the city. Unincorporated Bear doesn't have the authority to pass such a regulation under state code. So, yeah, I... I'm just throwing it out there because, um, like, we're all hand-watering or watering or doing whatever we can do to try to keep the grass we have alive. Uh, maybe you've replaced some of yours with uh, hardscape or xeriscape or, or whatever it is. Uh, I, I'm also a big fan of, like, ground cover. I've done some of that with Asian jasmine and other things that are really hardy and you don't water them. And even if they look like they're dying, they always come back, stuff like that. I, it does seem like when you're driving around and you're seeing things built or developed, it does seem like they just kind of throw down grass where there's where there's just any open space because that makes something look finished, right? That obviously it holds the dirt together and it makes the, the project uh, visually pleasing and, and complete. And we're used to, I mean, we're conditioned to seeing grass around stuff and I liked the point that Darla made about you, you want to have a lot of uh, permeable surfaces and green surfaces for the temperature and the reflection of sunlight and all that stuff. Oh, I like all that. I'm good with all that. I'm not trying to say we should have a, a gray world of nothing but, you know, pavement and rocks and sand. But, but I mean, it doesn't it just seem like we kind of throw down grass without really thinking about, well, why is this here? Like, you know, you, you go to a gas station on a corner and there's like this big lush pga quality <laughs> and the sprinkler heads are going and you're like well what, what is this for i mean do the parents have their kids go play in the grass while they're gassing up the car i mean i don't see that 210-599-5555 we've been talking about the um announcement today that they may have a suspect in those serial killings on long island and the the coverage of that is kind of throwback to when cable news covered all this stuff um, and and it's it's funny because people under a certain age probably can't believe this, but there was a time when CNN, when it was the only cable news channel, was something 
conservatives were glued to, glued to. And you would have you would have been proud to have people know that you watched CNN. Like that meant you were following the news. You were up on Tiananmen Square and you knew what was going on with the collapse of the Soviet Union and you were you were all in on uh, you know the uh Operation Desert Storm and uh the the LA riots and then the you know the OJ Simpson trial and this was synonymous with being fluent or literate in the news in current events. And now these channels are like tribal identity you know it's like you're putting on your your war paint to symbolize which tribe you're in right and it's kind of weird to me and when i look at the the way they covered this uh gilgo beach serial killing investigation it just kind of took me back to that i would say something that really went away like in the early and mid 90s 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com because believe it or not, it used to be that there was one set of facts about a story. You can have an opinion about it, and people did have opinions. I don't think O.J. did it. I do think O.J. did it. But there was only one set of facts. And uh, we, now we don't have that, right? The, the version of any story, anything, any issue, something Biden did, anything that's on Fox is a totally different version over on MSNBC. Same event, but different facts. We're going to tell you a different story. And, of course, because most people only watch one of them, that's the only version they know. And we've been talking about the Maybelline uh, uh, story a little bit as well. I had an, a good email uh, uh, on that. If you haven't heard, they've, they've got a new ad campaign, and they're, they've got a bearded, a bald, bearded, mustachioed uh, guy uh, who's, uh, not that I'm anything to look at, but this guy's pretty homely. And he's slathering on the Maybelline lipstick, and people are reacting to that. Uh, Dan and Marion uh, writes, normally I don't like boycotts, uh, because like the sanctions on Cuba, they hurt the little people. That said, these leaders need to pay the price for their decisions. They get fired with a severance package and a little humiliation. If they were legally had a, held accountable for stock performance, this would never happen. I, I think there are efforts to bring suits against some of these woke companies uh, where the stockholders can make the argument that they have you, you've you've not acted in good faith for the for the shareholders. I do like that angle. I think that's a good approach, Dan. I, I I don't know that we know yet whether or not like Maybelline has actually hurt themselves, but I think eventually these companies do, and I think it takes several of them. Several are going to have to you know go down the chute uh, before the others get too scared to do this kind of thing. Right now, remember that when you see an ad campaign now, the decision to do it was undertaken probably months ago, maybe even longer. So they made the Maybelline decision probably before they ever heard of Dylan Mulvaney. Well, it's going to take a while for this to catch up, but I think it will. Uh, There's a good chance if you're listening to this show right now that you're in or around San Antonio. You may not be, but most people who are listening are. Um, If you were talking to, if you were in contact with a friend or a relative in another part of the country... Would you recommend that they move here? I don't mean out of the blue, but if they were, like, considering coming here, if they were expressing an interest in relocating here, would you recommend people move to San Antonio? What would you say? I mean, you live here, you live near here, maybe you're from here. I've been here 
It'll be 30 years next year. Uh, San Antonio is ranked among the best U.S. cities to live in, according to Travel and Leisure magazine. Their world's best awards survey is out this week. They describe San Antonio as having, quote, colorful, picturesque architecture in a nod to the past, while contemporary hotels and restaurants keep the South Texas city looking toward the future. A hot spot for history buffs, foodies, and families. A perfect day in San Antonio includes an afternoon stroll along the Museum Reach, a 3.5-mile-long park on both banks of the San Antonio River filled with walking paths and public art installations. Oh, yeah, I do that every afternoon. Yes. Um, We were the only city in Texas to make the top 15 uh, in travel and leisure. Now, I will say that um, anywhere you go in America, if you talk to the people who live there, you'll have people that are very proud and think that, that theirs is the best place, and you'll have people that are kind of, like irritated about something or sour on it. It's not like it used to be, you know, anywhere you go, anywhere you go. I I will start. I will say, yeah, I would recommend you come here. Um, Coming here was the smartest thing I ever did, only I wasn't smart in doing it. I just stumbled into it. I had a job offer uh, that only an idiot would have turned down, and even though I was an idiot, I didn't turn it down. And... um, and I came here not knowing anything about San Antonio and didn't know anybody here. I, I, honest to God, I tell this story all the time. I was on the telephone with Pat Rogers, who was offering me the chance to come work here at the other station. And I was uh, like flipping open an atlas because I wasn't sure where in Texas San Antonio was located. I know that's terrible, but I, I, I was a Northeasterner and I had this sort of vague idea uh, I think it's down there somewhere. Oh, here it is. Okay, all right. I see where it is. You know, and um, yeah, I would recommend it. I, I know it has. We have our problems. We have our issues. Uh, I, there's a lot of trends with politics and local politics that are that are troubling. But yeah, no, I would I would recommend it. Um, and the way they rate it is obviously kind of not the experience most of us have. Like we're not spending all our time downtown on the museum reach. But I think it's just a very cool place to live and a very comfortable uh, and welcoming place to live just as, an, as, a, as a resident, not as a tourist. You know, I mean, they're, they're kind of describing the tourist experience and you'll walk around, you'll see beautiful buildings. But um, I don't know. I think, it's a, I think it's a great place to live. I think it still is. I think it will continue to be. And I think the, the proof of that is the, the rapidity with which people are coming here. Of course, that could also change it. So the... The influx of people is both evidence that we're we've got something good and a threat to that something good at the same time. But yeah, no, I I I would say yes, move here. What would you say? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. One of the other things I do besides this show is a book blog that you can get at ktsa.com. It's called Jack's Books, and there's a lot of mysteries and whodunits and murder mysteries and stuff, and true crime uh, on that. It's a blog of all the stuff that I read and like to share with other people that like to read. And when I think about cases like this uh, serial killer case today that's in the news, um, and I'm I'm not saying this to make light of it, but when I read, you know, 
the true crime, when I read the, the murder mysteries, the police procedurals, I can't figure out how anybody thinks they could get away with it. Does that make sense? Like, I, I, I'm not talking about a person that in a moment of passion picks up something and acts, and, 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 and in, a, in, a, in, a, in a fit of uh, emotion or in rage or insanity, they kill their spouse or something like that. I'm talking about people that systematically carry out murders. I do not know how people think they get away with that. Like, we're at the very beginning of this Gilgo Beach story, but a couple of things I've already heard today. This guy was linked to the victims by DNA from his pizza box that he, he threw out pizza crusts. And because they had been watching him for months, they fished out the pizza crusts, got the DNA, linked him to the bodies of these young women that apparently he had met through Craigslist back when Craigslist had personals. And then apparently they had a warrant for his Internet activity. And he had been frantically or frequently, I guess I shouldn't say frantically, he had been frequently searching about the task force investigating the serial killings. Now, that doesn't make him guilty. But it's stuff like that. And you think about all the digital surveillance and pinging cell phones, and he was using burners, but... Um, you, you think of all the modern tools and techniques. I just don't know how people think they would get away with it. And, and yet people do do these terrible things, and I'm sure some of them do get away with it. I mean, we don't catch them all. But it, it, it boggles my mind. And again, it's, I guess from what I read, it just doesn't look like you would. You, you're bound to make a mistake. And you only have to make one or two mistakes and they've got you what do you think 210-599-5555 this guy is going to be um i think scrutinized because he's not if there is such a thing as a typical serial killer he's not it you know the 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 i guess the stereotype or the typical uh Serial killer is the, you know, like the guy in Silence of the Lambs, maybe, or like, you know, the loner, uh, the uh, the person that keeps to himself. Um, this guy uh, had a wife, had kids, had a business, was known to his neighbors, active in the community. So th- this is going to be interesting to, to unfold. And, of course, he's innocent until proven guilty, and his uh, lawyers are already saying he didn't do it. Uh, these prosecutors seem very, very certain uh, like, you know, leaving zero doubt that they have the right guy, but then they would sound that way. Who do you know? Who do you know that makes more dated references and lives in the past more than me, right? I mean, come on, right? I'm the king. So we're going to do a little uh, time travel coming up here in the next half hour. We're going to go back to this week, this week in 1985. This week in 85, coming up. And we've got the dish coming up after 6. We'll be talking restaurants, 210 599-5555. Uh, a record number or percentage of Americans are living alone. Uh, nearly 30% of American households 
comprise a single person. That is the most since they began keeping records uh, a couple hundred years ago. In 1940, 8% of households were a single person. In 1970, 18% were solo. And now it's uh, 30% living alone. And uh, to explain it, there are many things. Uh, the culture is more uh, open to the idea of women living alone, single-person households, single-mother households. But remember that in your grandma's time, a woman didn't do that and couldn't do that and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, there's all this... Uh, Societal uh, change. Uh, people that live alone will tell you it's freedom, and you combat you 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 control your fate, and you decide everything. And um, I I would not dispute that. And I think you should do whatever you want to do. By the way, I'm not I'm not making any argument that that one thing is better than another. I I, I do kind of wonder what it looks like when, if we have a society where more people are living alone and then people get old, what that looks like. Because if you don't live near family members that can help you or look in on you or take care of you, um, and we have an aging population, we have that huge bubble of you know baby boomers uh, and then right behind them, Gen X, two huge generations. Uh, I don't know how that looks. I'm not sure how that works. And it's funny because people say we're, we're going to have a lot of seniors uh, that never had, maybe never had families or are divorced, so maybe the kids are, you know, close to one parent but not the other. And then, you know, the other thing we have, this sort of, explo not explosion, but this sort of, I guess, surplus of, is commercial real estate. I read a lot of articles about the, the coming, the they say the next bubble will be commercial real estate, and you know why, right? People are working remotely, people are moving out of cities. I wonder if there's like a way of marrying up those two things, if we've got a lot of real estate that is not ever going to be an office with cubicles and stuff ever again. And we need to figure out housing and centralization for people that are, are solo. Maybe that's where it goes. Maybe that's part of what happens. I remember we had a story in the show years ago, at least a few, maybe more, of a man who, do you remember this? It was a big sensation. A man had been living in, it was like a Hampton Inn or a Fairfield Inn. He had been living in one permanently. He's, he was an older gent, and I forget if his wife had died or if he had never been married, but it was just him. He was living there. He was uh, paying by the week, and people said, well, what are you, why are you doing this? And he said, well, um, I get maid service every day. Uh, there is a lobby that's manned 24 hours downstairs. All I have to do is pick up the phone. If anything happens to me or I'm scared or I'm sick or what, 
pick up the phone. There's always somebody there. Um, you know, he, liked, he liked the pool. He liked the gym. And um, he figured out when he did the, the math that it was just cheaper by far than a quote-unquote senior living apartment. And the hotel chain reacted to the news story. It, it had run, I think, originally in USA Today, but then like everybody picked it up. The, the hotel chain was like, we don't want this. We, we this Don't get the idea that this is the thing to do. We're not in favor of this. We're not, we don't, this is not what we're for. Although they couldn't dispute all of his points. I mean, he, he was correct. His observations were correct. But they didn't want to be in that business. I, I I do think somehow we're going to have to figure that out. I don't know who we is, but there's there's always a consequence when you dramatically change the makeup of a society. And we've gone from a society that was almost all family units, two parents, kids, you know, to uh, all these different units that may work now but may not work later on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, here's a guy that says dating apps are destroying young men and should be banned. Uh, this was an editorial at outkick.com. Dating apps are not a positive for society and should be crushed like any other enemy that we face. Apps to find hookups or people to date have become popular. In a matter of minutes, a young man or woman can fire up their phone, create a profile, attempt to meet complete strangers. Instead of meeting in bars, work, class, etc., uh, the results have been horrific. I mean, you look at the serial killer that they're talking about today. That was Craigslist, which was the old school version of, I guess, these apps, right? Study from a medical journal found that people dating on apps uh, have a higher rate of depression sex addiction, hypersexuality, and sexually transmitted disease. Furthermore, he writes, the apps can be addicted. A study done by Match.com, addictive. Uh, a match uh, study done by Match.com found that one in six singles felt addicted to dating apps. And some couples don't work out because even after they meet, one of them continues to be on the app. Um, I'm not sure what to think about this because I these came along too late for me. And when I heard about them, my first thought as a very introverted person was, thank God somebody invented these because guys like me could not go up to strangers and just strike up a conversation or ask for a phone number. Just couldn't do it. Could not do it. Did not do it. So I thought when I first heard about these, well, this is a godsend for, you know, for shy people or for people that maybe live in a place where there aren't a lot of single people or it's hard to meet them or you don't know where they are or what, what have you. Uh, but I do understand the things that now people are saying, the, the damage people are reporting and stuff like that. Um, it almost sounds a little bit, you know what it sounds a little bit like to me, and maybe this is not the right analogy. I'm sure we always had people that were addicted to shopping and overshopped, but don't we have more of that now that there's online shopping? Isn't that, hasn't that been like fuel on the fire of that addiction? So if you already had that weakness or that predilection, you could indulge it before there was e-commerce. But once that came along, it it must have been much worse or harder to overcome or whatever. So I'm I'm thinking this is kind of the same thing. Like a little of it is good, a lot of it is not, and some people can't control their portions. You know, it's probably a, a 
these these apps are probably okay if in in very limited uh, usage. Um, I guess a lot of you know shy people get a break, and a lot of people have met this way and stuff like that. I, I, on the other hand, there do seem to be a lot of horror stories. There do seem to be a lot of you know nightmarish things where you know uh, people get set up or uh, ambushed. Uh, or cat, what's catfished, right? Uh, so those these are all things that I, I guess you didn't have to worry about as much back in the day of meeting and talking and getting a phone number on a napkin or something like that. Uh, and then, even though you are shy um, and you don't want to go up to people, I have to think that it still it must still feel better, like more of an accomplishment, if you actually meet someone in person. Like if you overcome your shyness and you just do it, um, that, that, that's a powerful thing. Like if that becomes the way you met and now you spend the rest of your life with this person, you'll always remember that. And that you'll love telling the story of how we met, right? And you, you meet old couples or elderly couples. Oh, this couple's been married 60 years. Everybody always asks them, how'd you meet? And they always have a great story, right? We met during the war. We met in the military. We met it. Now, what are people going to say? Oh, plenty of fish. <laughs> you got like no story, you know? Uh, you don't have that that sort of moment of overcoming your shyness or being bold or I took a chance. I went up to her. I didn't know what would happen. Uh, it's kind of like those things are, are, are being lost. And I guess the stories that go with them. Now Top 10 board. We'll start with number 10. All right, it's July 14th, 1985. We're going back to that year, this date. In July of 1985, I was starting my third radio job, uh, playing Worcester's Best Music on 104.5 FM, WXLO. And these were the hits. At number 10 this week in 1985, it was the 80s superstar Cyndi Lauper with the theme from the Goonies movie. Goonies are good enough. Cindy Lauper was at number 10 this week. There's a new documentary about her. If you like Cindy, she's got a new documentary called Let the Canary Sing, all about her life and her career. At number 9, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, checks in with Glory Days. Supposedly inspired by a real-life encounter Bruce had in 1973 with a guy that he had played Little League with. Glory Days, Bruce Springsteen at number nine. The number eight song this week on the charts was the only big hit for this Boston band till Tuesday. The song Voices Airy. Airy. 
had quite a crush on Amy Mann, the lead singer of Soul Tuesday. And believe it or not, she used to work at a record store that I went into. So really, right before this song came out, she literally was like the girl at the record store that we would like whisper to our buddies about and elbow them. She was really, really pretty. And she's still out there. She's got a solo career that's still going. Uh, the band broke up uh, sometime later on in the 80s. Number seven, uh, the number seven song this week in 1985 was um, one of the first, but not actually the first hit for Whitney Houston at number seven, You Give Good Love. She's only 20 years old and has this amazing voice. A lot of people will tell you that's her first hit, but actually, when she signed with Arista Records um, a couple of years before this, they teamed her up with uh, the veteran R&B singer Teddy Pendergrass on a song that didn't bill her. She was not mentioned on the label. I remember playing this song on the radio, and it's clearly a man and a woman singing, but we would say it was Hold Me by Teddy Pendergrass. Here's the song that introduced Whitney to radio. That is such a good song. Really love that one. Teddy Pendergrass and Whitney Houston, if we're going to be accurate, and Hold Me. And uh, that was a hit in 19... Uh, in, um, Sort of minor hit in 1984, but Whitney was on the charts solo this week in 1985. All right, now we move up to the song at number six. And this guy is on tour this summer, along with Rick Springfield, the Hooters, and Tommy Two-Tone. You can check out Paul Young on the I Want My 80s Tour. I told you 1985 was a good year. Paul Young, Every Time You Go Away. His tour will come closest to us next month. August 19th, Lake Charles. August 20th, Fort Worth. And August 22nd, Lubbock, if you want to see Paul Young in the flesh. The number five song, July 14th, 1985. Definitely one of my favorites from the Eurythmics. Great Annie Lennox, a little more of an R&B sound on that one. Would I lie to you? Number five this week in 1985. The number four song on the charts this week was from Survivor and their Vital Signs album, which was full of hits, this being one of them. The search is over. Yeah, just one side of that album featured I Can't Hold Back, High on You, First Night, 
and the search is over. That's some pretty good listening right there from 1985 and Survivor. We're moving up to number three now. This week in 1985, Prince and the Revolution in Raspberry Beret. Probably one of the very few songs to ever make the charts with Middle Eastern finger symbols being played on Raspberry Beret, Prince and the Revolution. The number two song this week in 1985, of course, Phil Collins was on such a roll in the 80s, had hit after hit after hit, including Susu Studio. There's a third hit from the No Jacket Required album for Phil Collins. And the thing about Phil Collins, he wrote a lot of his songs by messing around with drum machines and improvising. And that was what happened here. He came up with a melody he loved, but no lyrics. So he used a nonsense word just to fill while he was working on the beat and thinking that later on he would go back and replace the nonsense word with something that meant something. Never did really think of anything else, so he just kept the nonsense word and... The studio became a huge hit for Phil Collins. That brings us to the number one song this week in 1985, a song that has the distinction of not only being number one, but being the only James Bond movie theme to go all the way to number one in the United States. It's Duran Duran and A View to a Kill. From the last James Bond movie to feature Roger Moore and Duran Duran, of course, at the top of their game, but they were actually in a position of begging to do a James Bond theme. There's a story that uh, John Taylor uh, from the band approached Cubby Broccoli, one of the producers of the Bond series, at a party and kind of propositioned him. Uh, If I give you a fiver... Can I write a theme tune, please? Well, they were only too happy to take one of the hottest British and international acts in the world and pair them up with this Bond movie. I actually think the song is much better than the movie in this case. Number one is A View to a Kill. And that was this week in 1985. Later on, we'll have more to say about Bond themes and... What were the biggest? What were the most popular ones? Of course, we've got the dish coming up after 6. You can join the show to talk about that. Praise or Zing a Restaurant coming up as well. Those WXLO call letters were really easy to say. Like, I worked at some stations. Don Cooper, you must remember this. Remember the call letters were a little hard. They were a little unwieldy. Uh, and WXLO was very easy to say. So... It had that going for it. You could roll the W's, basically. Maybe that's what it was. That radio station was located at a mall, and we would say that on the air, and people would say to me, I've looked everywhere. I don't don't see you guys. We, We were in an office at the mall. It wasn't a storefront. I don't know why they did that. I don't know what their thinking was. 
But it was not a publicly accessible place. It was behind like a, pr- a plain metal door with no window and almost no signage. And you'd think if you were going to locate the radio station at the mall, you'd put like a big window and people could look at the mm-hmm. studio and mm-hmm. see the jock, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 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 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. But That's what we um, need. We need uh, KTSA at a food mart. Oh, yeah, that would be great. That would be terrific. <laughs> <laughs> nobody would buy anything because their appetite would be ruined is that what he looks like oh my god on second thought i don't think maybe i should skip some meals look what happened to him hey has anybody seen i'm just curious uh because i'm hearing so much about it and it's dominating the box office has anybody seen sound of freedom the human trafficking movie i mean the word of mouth on this is incredible i know i'm gonna see it uh eventually and i'm just curious uh if you have checked it out, what you uh, what you think about it. Um, and there's all kinds of stories about how difficult it was to get this movie made and to get this movie um, distributed. And um, if you think about it, the fact that people love it so much and it's got such incredible word of mouth, it's obviously not your typical summer movie like, you know, Top Gun Maverick or something, or, you know, Mission Impossible or something. Um, so it's it's clearly a movie people feel they need to see as opposed to, oh, I got nothing better to do. Uh, 210-599-5555. This is a, um, a new pro-life company called Every Life that, is part of another company that is trying to become like a conservative Amazon. So they're going to try to have a lot of different brands and products, and then one of their offshoots is this company called Every Life, which makes diapers and baby products. This is their uh, commercial that they're running for diaper, excuse me, for Every Life, the diaper ad for Every Life. Take a listen to this. While so many companies are promoting what is wrong, we choose to celebrate what is right. Life. Every miracle from God. Boy and girl. Black, tan, and white. Planned and unplanned. Gifted special. Every one of them is celebrated here. Every life. We're changing diapers, changes lives. Mm. I guess you got to figure that, uh, and it's, the images are beautiful, it's all babies and moms and dads holding babies and um, I, I think you have to figure that there'd be, there will be more uh, of that kind of advertising and marketing if if you're going to have people that are going to go in the direction of um we're trying to make the abnormal normal and the pervert normal then you're going to have people that will say well you know what then we're going to be the the diaper the beer the makeup the whatever for for the normals i i don't necessarily celebrate that the culture war is coming into everything but that's inevitable, right? I mean, it's it's just the 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 brands that everybody went to, and we were talking about this earlier, even like with news channels. Like at one time, CNN was just obviously you're going to go to CNN to get the news, dummy. What else would you do? But 
as brands sort of narrow themselves, it means that other people will come along and go, well, we're here for the rest. We're here for the normals. And we're here for the people that don't think what you're trying to normalize is normal or right. And it's it, it, it's kind of funny when you think about a, a diaper ad would have like a, a values message, diaper ad. But yeah, I mean, that's obviously where this is all going. So uh, 210-599-5555. Um, I remember when I used to drive a Jeep, there was the Jeep wave. Do people still do the Jeep wave? I think they do, right? I think that's a big thing. And there's Jeep Nation and, you know, all that stuff. Apparently there's this thing going on around the country called Jeep ducking. Jeep ducking is when you come out to your Jeep and somebody has put a rubber duck on your Jeep. And um, it was a mystery at first. Uh, People did not know what was going on. And there were even people that were uh, scared or suspicious because, you know, there's all that Internet stuff about how if there's a dollar bill under your windshield wiper and if there's something tied to your door handle and there's, oh, people are going to poison you with fentanyl. All, all this stuff is, is all over the Internet. So people were kind of freaked out. They'd come out and they'd find a, a rubber duck uh, on their Jeep, and it's happening all over the uh, country. Well, we now know, uh, or at least we think we do, uh, <laughs> who, uh, who started it. Uh, apparently this uh, uh, guy uh, named Derek Fetters, who lives in Pennsylvania, got the idea. He saw somebody leave a duck or he found a duck or something. So anyway, he bought something like a 1,000 of these and has been uh, putting them on Jeeps. And he says, it makes me happy when people take pictures of them and put them on social media. And now it's got a term. It's called ducking. And uh, there's another woman out there who says she thinks she actually started it during the pandemic because she was trying to cheer people up and she was randomly leaving rubber ducks, but she wasn't leaving them just on Jeeps. This guy's leaving them just on Jeep Wranglers, apparently. So if you, if you get ducked, can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? If you've been ducked, you know uh, who did it. That's probably, never, that's probably a sentence that's never been said before. Bees and cornbread. Bees and cornbread. Bees and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans not cornbread out of sight. Cornbread said, "Now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night." Welcome to the dish. Welcome in. Sit wherever you'd like. Your server will be with you shortly. Uh, Jack Riccardi here. In this hour, we're going to talk about restaurants. Your most recent. Restaurant experience, whether it was dine-in or take-it-to-go or get-it-delivered or drive-through, whether you had that in San Antonio or outside San Antonio or anywhere around South Texas, uh, we're talking about all kinds of restaurants on the dish. So we're talking about, you know, the little mom-and-pop hole-in-the-wall places. We're talking about chain restaurants. We're talking about big ones, small ones, every kind of food, every kind of price, Maybe places that you would just go to get something quick on your, uh, you know, way to work in the morning, or those white linen tablecloth uh, restaurants where you go for a special occasion. All kinds of restaurants, and we want to talk about your experience with the food and the price and the service. And on the dish, the way it works is you call two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five, and you praise 
or zing. I'm just going to be honest. I blame the staff for that, okay? So do a better job. <laughs> it makes me mad. <laughs> Ooh. All right, don't be, don't get her table. Praise or zing, your most recent restaurant experience. It's really like the way we talk to each other about restaurants. It's not a restaurant review. And obviously, when people review a restaurant, they try like 18 different things on the menu. And you're obviously only going to be able to talk about what you've had and, and how it was. And that's all I want to know. And that's we all want to know. 210-599-5555. When you call on the dish, please have the complete correct name of the restaurant we're taking those calls right now we'll be doing that until just before seven we'll also have the results on the jr poll and a few other little easter eggs and surprises along the way as well 210-599-5555 on the dish you remember the other day we had the woman that went kind of crazy on an american airlines flight uh this was a flight from dallas to orlando and it delayed the the flight for i think a few hours because this lady stood up and went charging down the aisle screaming that there was a passenger in the back who was not real you remember that and um i thought it was interesting that there were people on social media in the days that followed saying how come no one's interviewed this woman but I thought it was more interesting that we never did find out who was the not real person. I'm, that's what I want to know. I've seen this tantrum throwing woman a million times before. I know, I know that drill. I've seen that movie. Who was the not real person? I mean, who did, <laughs> who, who on that flight was not real? Um, there was a funny, uh, TikTok made by a flight attendant on American. Her, her handle is Georgina Flies. Uh, she says, um, I'm making sure everyone is real before the plane takes off. She says she's going up and down the aisle poking people with a needle. So good for her. Glad somebody's on this. Uh, 210-599-5555. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. That's what we're here for. We'll have the results on the JR poll coming up. Jenny is on the radio. Happy Friday night, Jenny. Welcome to the show. You too. Thanks, Jack. Just want to report that India Palace at Frederick, uh, sorry, at Wurzbach in Fredericksburg was fantastic. Did not disappoint. Oh, good, good. I, boy, that place has been there a long time. What did you have when you went there? Well, so it operates as a buffet. You can order individual things, but we appreciated mm-hmm. the buffet. I haven't been in probably eight or nine years, and the quality is just as standard and, sorry, just as excellent as it always has been. So um, tasty dishes, and there was something with mushrooms and peas and great spices and just glorious. So highly recommend. Very good. So they're doing the buffet. Yeah, I remember that from when I went. And, and really, I don't know about you, but like for me, that's the best way to have Indian food because I don't really recognize a lot of the things if they're just listed on the menu. But right. if I see them, then I'm like, oh, yeah, I've had that. I like that. Right. Everything's listed, what's in it, but I... Just enjoyed all the colors and flavors and taste. It was great. Excellent. Glad to hear from you, Jenny. Thank you. Have a good weekend and praise for India Palace, 8474 Fredericksburg Road. 8474 Fredericksburg Road. Uh, It's been there a long time. Our last call in the dish was November of 2021. Uh, That caller was saying, yeah, it's always a good experience. So, I'm looking here. We have calls that go back to uh, 2012. 
on India Palace. Uh, 210-599-5555. Praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. Where have you been? What's good? It might be a new restaurant. It might be one that is new to you, that you've just discovered. And sometimes people also call on the dish uh, with restaurants that they've been going to for a long time, and that's okay, too. It doesn't have to be new. You just want to sing the praises of a place that's been doing right by you for a long time, and you've been happy with it for a long time, and and uh, letting everybody know that it's uh, that it's there. That's good too. I once in a while people will say to me, you know, I uh, I kind of want to call in on the dish about such and such a place, but they're like, well, I don't want I don't want it to get too popular, you know, like I don't want I don't want too many people going there. I just I, if that's what's going through your mind. It, Given all the challenges the restaurants are going through right now, I would make the call. <laughs> like, if somebody's doing a good job with any kind of food, breakfast tacos, bagels, whatever, I mean, if anybody's doing a good job and you like it and you like going there, um, give them all the help you can give. You know, get, post on your social media, tell people at work, call me. Uh, I, I wouldn't worry about a place being too popular as much as I'd worry about these places not making it. I mean, when I talk to people, and I do a lot, uh, not only in the restaurant business, but other small businesses. It's, it's really interesting, and I think I mentioned this this week. The, the national news about the economy is like a fantasy world to people that are actually in the trenches. They, when I talk to business owners, they don't know what the hell CNBC and so forth are talking about. Uh, they're having a very hard time with cash flow, very hard time with supply and supply costs. They're having a very hard time with staffing and keeping people. Hiring people is one, is bad enough, but then keeping them. So, yeah, definitely sing the praises if there are praises to sing. Michelle, happy Friday. Well, happy Friday, Jack. How are you? Great, thank you. How are you doing? Good. I was calling in about Aldino's uh, Italian restaurant over on 1604 in Blanco. Yes. They are so good. We have been there a couple of times, and whenever we've gone, the service has been great, the food has been great, um, and it's, it's a beautiful little place. You really cannot, you could order blindfolded off that menu, and you'd be happy with whatever you got. Yeah, and the, the thing I've gotten there twice now is the... Uh, Fettuccine uh, Primavera, which is just, you know, the fettuccine Alfredo with the vegetables, no shrimp, but just the yep. vegetables, get it in, out of the sauce. Yep, uh, that is that is really good. The the risottos, they have several different risottos that are really good. Uh, there's yeah. a salmon uh, with a cream sauce that's got capers. That's really, it's just, yeah, it's a great, and it's a nice place for like if you are wanting to step it up a little bit for a special occasion. It has that kind of special occasion feel to it. It's not very expensive, yeah. but it, it feels very, you know, kind of dressed up, right? Yeah, yeah. You can dress it up or dress it down. It's, it's got, yep. you know, it's, it's like you're stepping into Tuscany or, you know, to a nice little Tuscan restaurant. It's just really pretty, really nice. So, yeah, no, that's that's been a... In fact, I don't know how long you've been in San Antonio, but when I started going to Aldino's, they were in Central Park Mall, which doesn't even exist anymore. Um yeah, they were the they were like the yeah, they were like the nice restaurant at Central Park Mall and then and then they moved to this location and uh the same owner, Farah Farahani, who's a great great man. You 
probably will meet him if you go there. Really, really good guy. And um, yeah. Sure, we have. If you stops around at every table and make sure yep. that everything's okay. Yep. The wait That's staff, phenomenal. Even if you haven't been in in a couple of months, they, you know, welcome back. It's good to yeah. see you again. Yeah. 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 Well said. Good job, Michelle. Thank you for that. Hope you have a good weekend. Praise for Aldino's at 1604 and Blanco in the Vineyard. Aldino's. Yeah, last call we had was, um, it's been a few years, uh, February of 2020. But uh, I, I, it's one of those places that it's right, it's between the like red checker tablecloth kind of place and the very high end. Like if you needed, a, if you needed to like do a very impressive like client lunch or dinner, Italian food, maybe you'd go to Battalion in Southtown or you'd go to uh, uh, Aldo's uh, at the Dominion. But this is sort of between the two and v- really good food, Aldino's, yeah. 210-599-5555. Jed is on the dish. Jed, happy Friday. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday to you too, Jack. So what you got for it's us? A wonderful day. I've got, uh, actually got two of them for you. Okay. One of them is in uh, St. Hedwig, El Rodeo. It's a little mom-and-pop breakfast place. We always go there and, and have breakfast tacos, which are just out of the swirl. Okay. And the other one is uh, uh, Nana's in Floresville on 181. And what is that like? What do they have? Well, they have catfish. They have steaks. They have just real down-home southern cooking, and it's all awesome. Did you say Nana's with an N? Nana's, yes. Like okay. banana, but with no ba. Okay. okay. <laughs> and you said it's in, and you said it's in, it's in uh, Floresville, right? Floresville on 181, right, right down okay. on the main drag through Floresville. All right. Coast. Uh, see, so yeah, I see it here, Nana's Kitchen. Um, and then the other one was El Rodeo, which it looks like it's 14130 FM 1346 in St. Hedwig. Does that sound right? Correct, yes. Okay. And is that one only open for breakfast and lunch? Yeah, breakfast and lunch only. Okay. All right. Praise for both of those. Jed, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for the call. Uh, on the dish, Probably yeah, probably just keep it to one. And I'll tell you why I say that. It's not I'm not trying to uh, you know, harsh your mellow, but when when a person calls in and talks about two restaurants, to people listening, they may cross up or combine the details. And it's just hard to follow. So we don't we don't enforce the rule harshly, but yeah, probably just try to do like one one per call. Uh two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five on the dish as we take your calls and we talk about all kinds of places, all kinds of restaurants, and Marilyn is on the dish. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, how are you, Jack? Good, good. Um, Happy Friday have, to you. Thank you, thank you. I I meant to call this in a week or so ago. It's four ten diner. Uh, my my work colleagues and I were going to go, and it was my turn to pick, and I wanted good old American, you know, just diner food, and so we went to the four ten diner, and it was mm-hmm. delicious. It was really mm-hmm. good. Lots, and they kept trying to give us cornbread. It was great service. And I kind of joked, I looked up about 11.30, 11.45, and the whole place was filled with older people. I said, this is like Luby's Junior. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, so anyway, It's the Luby's it starter good. kit. It was a nice change of pace. So anyway, yeah. So. yeah, no, that's a cool place. Um, 410 Diner, 8315 Broadway, just inside 
uh, Loop 410 on Broadway, kind of on the right as you go down Broadway. Uh, what is your favorite mm-hmm. thing to get there? Well, I don't, I don't have a favorite. That was the first time I've been in a very, very, very long time. Um, I got a chicken fried steak, and my colleague got uh, a different type of chicken, and we split it up, and mm-hmm. each took part of it. It was very good. And, of course, the vegetables. Gosh, all the great vegetables they have. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I probably could have gotten this in a vegetable order, and I'd have been a happy girl. But it was. I know years ago, when I first heard about it years ago, one of the things people raved about was the King Ranch chicken casserole. I don't know. Did, did you see that on the menu? I don't even know if they still have that. But. It, 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 it is, yeah. I, there was so mm. much on the menu, it was hard to select. But, and we were right. a little bit in a hurry because uh, a couple of my colleagues had to leave me and drive out of town. So it was, um, so we had gone right at 11 when they opened. So, yeah. um, But we had great service, too. It was, you know, she kept the lady kept trying to fill us up with cornbread. So, <laughs> Hey, no, nothing wrong with that. No, no one, with no one that. ever said right there was too much that. cornbread. Uh, Marilyn, thank <laughs> you so much. Have a great weekend. I appreciate you, and I appreciate the call. Praise for 410 Diner. 8315 Broadway. 210-599-5555. Let's stick with the diner uh, theme that we got going on here. And Brown is on the dish. How you been, Brown? I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been okay. You know, I haven't, um, I haven't really gone and done much other than work. But, you know, my daughter, you know, it's during the summertime, so we decided to go and try to find another place to eat that we've never gone. And uh, we just took off down Lookout Road until the dead end, and I said, left or right, and she chose right, and we ended up at a place called Abel's Diner. Oh, yeah. And uh, we actually went there uh, last Monday and this Monday because it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of things to choose from that I actually liked. Chicken fried steak. Uh, they had shrimp and steak. My daughter got the um, the clam chowder. Uh, man, all of it was really good. And, you know, what I like about it is it's, it's actually a really nice-run family restaurant. And, you know, and she told me, she said, you know, Dad, all these old people are in here because it's a diner. And I was like, well, I'm old, too. I'm old, too. I'm looking around and thinking none of these people look old to me. (laughs) When when did this whole thing start with old people go to diners? I mean, when when I was a teenager... We hung out at diners all the time. That's where you went after a movie or, or, you know, or concert. You went to some all-night diner. I don't know, but I'll tell you that, um, you know, I'm I'm getting close enough now where I'm looking forward to that senior special. Hey, you and me uh, both. You know, half price, baby, half price. So, um, you know, I'm looking for a place to settle down at. Nables Diner might be it right now. Um, You know, they were, both times we went there, the service was great. People were friendly. Mm -hmm. It was mm. absolutely clean, clean, clean. I mean, they were yeah. they were on it. I mean, I think, you know, they got four or five generations of, of their family working there. And uh, you could see that uh, the bus boy was somebody in their family, along with the person expediting food. The chef was someone in their family. I mean, it was – but I, I will say this. Butterfly shrimp, I've never seen them as big as they were there before. And I literally – I was like, you know what, I'll get the, the sixth. And I, I made the the choice of doing the two with the the steak. I had I had to take I had to take the steak home. I literally yep. almost got filled yep. up on just the two butterfly shrimp. Yeah, and, everything there is and amazing. It and, it, and it was not expensive either. You know, I mean that's really surprising for the quality of food, quality of service, and the price was you know it was like going to a Burger King. I mean it was nothing nothing spectacular right. about the the price. It was very nice. Right. So hopefully oh, hopefully your br- listeners go there. I'll tell you what, a lot of people do. We've had a lot of calls about it on the dish over the years. Brown, it's great to hear from you. I hope you have a good weekend. Stay cool. Keep in touch. Uh, and praise for Abel's Diner. 
which is 17327 IH35 Frontage Road. It's uh, on the Frontage Road between 3009 and Shirts Parkway. Over there on I-35 Abel's Diner. If you need help finding it, ask anybody around there. Everybody knows Abel's Diner. Yeah, all, all the calls have been great for years, and, and people love it. And uh, I don't think anybody's ever complained about anything except wishing it was a bigger place. You know, so there was more seating. I'm in a quicksand, and I'm starting to sing. I need someone to help me, but I don't know which way to half hour the results on the jr poll question powered by river city oral surgery our grass question and uh we'll come back to the year 1985 one more time you were with us last hour for our countdown we're talking about restaurants on the dish this hour of the show uh where you can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience anywhere any kind of food and uh brad is next on the dish on ktsa brad good afternoon welcome Hi there, Jack. How's it going? Um, I um, I want to praise Maria's Cafe off of Nogalitos and uh, Dicky. This place is, I mean, there's not an empty white space on the walls. Um, the menu orders off of you pretty much. So, like, you have so many options, as, but there's hundreds of different types of tacos you mm-hmm. can get. And uh, mm-hmm. I will be Mando Loco number one, which has, uh, it's, a, it's a papas, rancheras, beans chorizo, bacon, and cheese. Uh, and then I went with a, a taco l- l- loco, n- number two. Uh, it has wieners, papas, beans, uh, cheese, and uh, pico de gallo. And I don't know. That, I just went with those, like, safe picks. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, and there was a guy there. There's an older man making tortillas, like, in the restaurant a couple of tables down, giving advice. Uh, there's just... It, it keeps your eyes off of like a paper menu. So you're just looking around. That place is yep. like a museum. There's so many yeah. old posters, Texas, like memorabilia of like old companies that aren't around anymore. It's just, it was pretty amazing. So yeah. I, you really, yeah. you really captured it. It, it is a, it is a very cool, it feels just like a very <laughs> real place. It doesn't feel like they're pretending to have that. That's what they are. That's what they, and they, as long as I've been going there, they've always had that, where the stuff is just written on the wall, like, and it it's handwritten, and like you said, it's jammed in there. It's like there's not a, it's like the place isn't big enough to write down all the all the tacos they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a yeah, place that when we were asking people where should Wemby go, because he said he liked breakfast tacos, <laughs> that was one of the first places people uh, exactly. mentioned that he should go, and that that'd be perfect, right? I hope, yeah. I hope he does go there, yeah. Uh, but just. Tell him to go easy on the soft stuff out of it because that stuff is spicy. I mean, that's right. Oof, just a couple of drops. Just a couple of drops. We don't want him on the bench. That's right. No. Uh, Brad, it, it's great to hear from you, and I think you I think you said it really well. Great job uh, with praise. Thank you, Brad, for Maria's Cafe, 1105 Nogalitos. Um, all the callers mention the tacos, and uh, like here's one from April of 2021. Best brisket taco he's ever had. Uh, everything is good. They have some other specials. Yeah, look at the wall. Read the wall. Heed the wall. Maria's Cafe. 210-599-5555. Tony is next on the dish on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Tony. Same to you, Jack. Hey, um, we grew up about four miles from each other in Boston. 
Um, and I'm calling to, first of all, um, I disagree with the 410 Diner as a um, wonderful place to eat. In the last three times I've been there, uh, the vegetables taste like they came out of a can, and the service was horrible. So I'm gonna, Oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm going to go that direction. But um, Acaria Vallarta in the 8,000 block of Broadway, it's very scary looking. It looks like it was dropped out of a 1950s movie. Um, and it looks like they haven't done much deferred maintenance on it since then. But the tacos there are beyond amazing. Uh, hmm. I avoid pulling in there for years and years and finally um, my neighbor told me that that's his favorite place so I stopped mm-hmm. in and it, it's really beyond amazing the best best breakfast tacos I've ever had mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. do you have a favorite one in particular or they're, well their chorizo and egg is incredible their potato egg and bean is incredible mm-hmm. um, their, their bacon is always very crispy. You don't have to ask for crispy bacon. It comes out crispy, and um, it's it's just an amazing place, and they're so friendly. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like a V-shaped restaurant, but um, and it is kind of scary to drive in there. But I'm just telling you, the food there is what, incredible. What, I'm not. Yeah, I, I've been there. I don't. I don't get the scary part. But I mean, it's a little rough looking on the outside, but yeah. uh, yeah. but I mean, there. You know, it's about the food, right? Yeah, the food is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, and if memory serves me, uh, and I could be wrong about this, but a lot of breakfast taco places are only open like till mid afternoon. I think they're open till kind of late at night, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they are. They're, they stay open for dinner, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've is nice. There. I've always done breakfast there. But anyway, I grew up in Needham, and I know you're from Newton. So I thought I'd Needham, Muzzy Ford, yeah. the Channel 5 Muzzy Tower. Ford. Right? Muzzy Ford. Yeah, just in case you were testing me, I want to say, I don't need him. We used to get, my mom used to take us for back-to-school shopping at Carter's. Remember Carter's? Yeah, oh, Carter's underwear. Are you kidding? There you go. Hey, you know, best underwear. Uh, But, Tony, that's great. I'm I'm glad to hear from you. Good to have a Massachusetts guy on the dish, and appreciate your call. Praise for Taqueria Bayarta which is 8234 Broadway, 8234 Broadway. Uh, 210-599-5555. John is on the dish on KTSA. Happy Friday night, John. Hello, Jack. Thanks for taking my call. I just want to tell you all, I'm here in the Bernie uh, Fair Fair Oaks area, and Mm -hmm. there's a place in Leon Springs. uh, It's the Hacienda. It's right there off Scenic Loop Road. And they have the best nachos that will knock your socks off. Nachos a la Butler. They are, oh, my God. The, the, they cook the refried beans and bacon. And they put that on there. And you can get it with beef, chicken, or nothing. And it tastes great every time. I've done it all three times. And my wife and I went. She got enchiladas, and I got the nachos a la Butler. And she ate her dinner and then took half of mine. They are so good. And the um, beer is ice cold. Cool. Uh, is it a big place, small place? What's it like? It's not a small, it's not a big place. It's a small place. It's yeah. part of the, you know, Los Barrios family. But the the nachos a la Butler are just phenomenal. Oh, they, no, I did not know it was. Are you sure about it being part of the 
Los Barrios family? Because they do have a place called La Hacienda de Los Barrios, but it's on Redland Road. It's not the one you're you're talking about. The one in in Bernie Stage Road, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I okay. Am. I don't and, know if that's I mean, them or not. I don't recall that being one of theirs. I don't know if it is or not, but gosh, you eat those nachos. They yeah. they bring them a la Butler style, okay. and uh, it comes on with you know bean and cheese, and then they put mm-hmm. white onion in there, and oh my god, they're great. And it, it, you leave full, but you're not yeah. stuffed. Right, and you leave just right. You you can't go there wrong go. there. There, that's how you that's how you want to feel. La Hacienda Scenic Loop, twenty five six fifteen Bernie Stage Road, uh, open for lunch and dinner. John giving it the praise on the dish. John, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You have a good weekend. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Dale is on the dish on KTSa. Happy Friday, Dale. Happy Friday, man. Yeah, I'm just calling in regards to uh, a place in shirts called uh, Americana Cafe. And I'm not sure if any of your listeners have been there before or mentioned it, but I'll tell you, man, I've I've had a lot of cups of coffee. I'm kind of a coffee addict myself, and I hate to say it. I'm kind of a snob when it comes to this. I, I, I'm not proud to say it, but let me tell you, man, I've never had a bad cup of coffee at that particular establishment. Now, some listeners may not like it because there is a big LGBTQI you know, whatever the proper nomenclature is, there's one of those flags up in there. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the people who work there are, are of an alternative lifestyle. You know, say what you will about that, but they make a damn good cup of coffee, man. And all their food's really, really good. Yeah, so, yeah. Where where in shirts yeah. is it? You know, it's just off of 78, um, just off of 78 off of uh, Main Street in shirts. And okay. So if you're on 78, just get on the shirts parkway, take the first left, can't miss it, man. It's right there. Yeah, no, that's Great that does sound good. Prices. Now, and and by the way, don't apologize for being a coffee snob because you're talking to you're talking to a coffee snob. I love coffee, and I and oh, I'm real particular. Good. I am real particular about. It. I'll drive way out of my way. Like you know, some people I think if they need coffee, they'll just go to the first place that has it, right? But you're probably like me. You're like, no, it's it's got to be good. I I know where I like it. I know what I like. Nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah, and let me tell you, man, like nine times out of ten, I brew my own coffee, I make it, like I do all that stuff, but if I get coffee from here, I'm confident it's always good. Um, it's no no one else no one else beats them in terms of consistency and quality for the price you pay. The ambiance is also really nice, too. Uh, you know, I'm the type I can't work inside my house if I got a project or whatever. I'll go over there, I'll sit down for a couple yep. hours. Yep. And it's just a perfect ambiance, man. It, yep. it really is a godsend uh, for yep. this particular area. So, you know, anyone in the shirts area, or even you yourself, Jack, if you make it on out there, and if it's not good, I will personally compensate yeah. you for the cost. No. <laughs> no, I'm going to try. I, I will not hit you up for money. I'm going to give you a place. Have you tried, because I just tried this a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't even mentioned it. Have you tried a, a little coffee place uh, kind of in Southtown called San Antonio Gold? San Antonio Gold. No, I don't believe I have, Jack, to be honest. Nineteen thirteen South Flores. San Antonio it's, Gold as in, you know, the color, the, the precious metal. The color gold. Yeah. It's not I mean it doesn't even sound like a coffee place, right? That sounds like a jewelry store, but yeah, it's yeah, uh exactly. the like, sign on the so front cool. just says gold. But the name when you look it up online, it says San Antonio Gold, but the sign will just say gold. And it's in a building that, that's got like two other businesses in it. There's like a motorcycle helmet accessory store and it's a very small space 
Um, it's a very limited menu. They have a few desserts and, and pastries and the coffee drinks. And I just had a regular cup of the coffee. I thought it was really good. 1913 uh, South Flores. Well, Jack, upon your recommendation, I'm going to give it a shot if I happen to be in the neighborhood. So if you if you do try it, give me a call sometime and let me know what you think. Um, they're only open um, like mornings and afternoons. They're not open at night, but uh, but I tried it on a Saturday. It was not too crowded, and it was really, it was really good. They had buttermilk pie, which you don't see too many places, and that with a cup of black coffee was just perfect. Ooh, sounds outstanding. All right. Well, Dale, I appreciate the tip on Americana Cafe, uh, Americana Coffee. Uh, 816 Main Street in shirts. We'll check that out for sure, and I hope you have a good weekend, Dale. Thank you. Uh, we've got the results coming up on the JR poll. Thank God it's. And I think the first part of this issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters, it means artificial intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, she is uh, a whiz at explaining things. Must be where Biden gets all of his uh, clarity on the issues. He sits down and has a chin wag with Kamala. Anyway, uh, thanks to everybody that emailed and corrected and said it all straight that, yes, the, uh, Los, uh, the La Hacienda in Bernie is part of the Barrios family. I, I wasn't sure if it was or it wasn't. Uh, but people are saying, yeah, Louis Barrios is there, and so that must be one of their newer conquests. Uh, but I'm glad to hear that he's got that one, and I'm glad to hear good things about it. Thanks to everybody that emailed. Um, on the JR poll, agree or disagree uh, with banning grass lawns from new developments? 100% disagree. Got a lot of, a lot of fans of the grass out there. And on our uh, 1985 countdown, we were playing the... Um, uh, top 10 songs from this week in 1985. The number one song was uh, a Bond theme. It's interesting that it was the only Bond theme to go all the way to number one. Some of the ones that you would be more familiar with, like Goldfinger, Shirley Bassey, that one as high as number eight. Uh, Die Another Day, Madonna was uh, peaked out at number eight. For Your Eyes Only, Sheena Easton in 1981, that was a number four hit. Two Bond themes went to number two. Nobody Does It Better, Carly Simon from the movie The Spy Who Loved Me. And Live and Let Die, Paul McCartney and Wings from the movie of the same name in 1973. Right here, we leave you tonight with the only number one Bond song, Duran Duran, Double D, and A View to a Kill, KTSA. Hey!